Okay, Pasa Mufasa, welcome to the Mycopreneur Podcast, a podcast about people solving problems with mushrooms. I'm Dennis Walker. Today on the pod, we've got Amanda Morgland, co-founder of Fungi Solutions, a mycocycling and mycomaterials outfit based out of Melbourne, Australia. We like to start with encouraging people to adopt mycocycling behaviors at home. So really demystifying mycology and cultivation and making it more accessible and encouraging people to mycocycle some of those resources that are already coming through their home. Amanda has an extensive background in biomaterials design and prototyping, including in the fashion industry, where she pioneered a process called mycotailoring which leverages the adaptive capabilities of fungi to create new mycelium composite fabrics out of discarded textiles. This same principle of environmental remediation and transformation is the guiding ethos of fungi solutions. With fungi, landfill refuse and discarded resources can be broken down and rebuilt into circular packaging solutions and other useful products while capturing carbon dioxide instead of emitting it. Today, Amanda is going to walk us through some of the exciting research and development that is in full swing at the Fungi Solutions HQ, including their collaboration with an Australian charity to micro-remediate the environmental damage caused by the more than 7 billion cigarette butts that are discarded annually across the Australian continent. We're also going to hear about the mycelium composite modular acoustic treatment blocks that Fungi Solutions is outfitting recording studios and media production facilities with, as well as their goal to create clean social spaces with biodesign. And those are just a few of the impressive range of Fungi Solutions that we're going to dive into right now. So let's get this show on the road. Que pasa Mufasa, Amanda Morgland of Fungi Solutions, all the way out in Australia. What's up, Amanda? How are you doing tonight? Thank you for joining us on the Micropreneur Podcast. I'm doing so well, Dennis. Thank you for having me on. So I recently became aware of the amazing work that Fungi Solutions is doing thanks to a Facebook post on the Fungal Materials and Biofabrications page. And I checked out the video, which we will link to this post, introducing what Fungi Solutions is all about, but we might as well hear it straight from the source. Can you give us a little primer on the origin story of Fungi Solutions and what y'all are up to out there in Melbourne, Australia? Sure. Uh, we are an organic recycling facility um, or a microcycling facility down in Melbourne. We take local wastes and we convert them into clean and circular mushroom materials. This all started uh, about five years ago when I was studying fashion design. Um, there was a lot of textile waste going around at the time and I just thought it was a really amazing resource that if we could harness it, it would be really great. So I began learning how to cultivate mushrooms, uh, very DIY, just on the internet, uh, learning how things are done um, in order to sort of reuse some of these materials and rebond them together to make new forms ended up developing the process a little bit into a micro-tailoring system. Um, it's a bit of a combination between tailoring and quilting and mushroom cultivation. So you can get, instead of uh, synthetic uh, clothing structures, you can get mycelium versions. From there, we ended up 
developing our research a little bit for the next couple of years um, until I met my business partner, Camden Cook. Uh, he thought it would be a great idea for us to start a business and uh, use that research and see if we could make an impact in Australia and reclaim some of those resources from landfill. And that's such a noble mission and one that I hope to see scaled and brought into the mainstream because our carbon footprint, as we all know, is out of control. And all of a sudden, you know, Elon Musk recently announced this $100 million carbon capture prize. And my first intuition was somebody working in the micro-remediation space needs to jump on this. So speaking of the future of regenerative design, goal 11 of the United Nations sustainability goals is to make cities and human settlements more inclusive, safe, resilient, and sustainable. How might the biodesign and fungi technology that Fungi Solutions is employing and scaling help to make cities and human settlements more inclusive, safe, resilient, and sustainable? Sure. Um Mycology and mycelium technology in general is a really nice inclusive space. You know, it's all about using what you have, making do with what you've got and producing clean and better uh, alternatives to what we have. We sort of take a bit of a multifaceted approach to sort of making an impact and making cleaner sort of spaces to live in and cleaner cities. Um, we like to start with encouraging people to adopt microcycling behaviors at home. Um, so really demystifying uh, mycology and cultivation and making it more accessible, encouraging people to microcycle some of those resources that are already coming through their home. You know, grow a crop of mushrooms from, from it and it can go into your compost instead of off to landfill. Um, the next part that we look at is pairing up primary producers with their agricultural offcuts, uh, local businesses and organisations. We use their sort of waste materials um, to produce our, uh, our products. This sort of takes a bit of a strain off them and provides a really simple and accessible solution for res responsibly managing their waste um, and provides us with the product that we need. Um, and then sort of beyond that, we see mushrooms um, as being really vital to providing the clean and circular uh, material solutions that we need. Currently, a lot of uh, industries that we work with express frustration that there isn't um, a good variety of materials that they can use, that they're confident in the circularity and the sustainability of those materials. So we're looking at addressing that need as well by um, custom designing mycelium for wherever it's needed here. And I love the transparency on your website, and I want to get into that in a second. Also, the product range, because there are a number in particular that you're making. One in particular really excites me, and I want to get down to that. But, but before we talk about that, I want to bring up this collaboration that you have with the Australian charity No More Butts, because I also think that's such an important vision that you're executing in that cigarette butts are very difficult to dispose of adequately. I believe I saw a number on your website reference that 7 billion cigarette butts annually end up toxifying the environment and, and improperly disposed of. It's very difficult to scale that approach. 
in Australia alone, let alone worldwide, but there are different types of mycelium and mushrooms that can be trained to eat these cigarette butts and to uh, properly biodegrade them or, or contain them. So I was hoping you could shed a little bit of light about this collaboration with the Australian charity No More Butts and some of your goals and the vision for helping to eliminate the toxicity of cigarette butts in the landscape using mushrooms. No More Butts is a really fantastic organization. I really love their mission. They, they want to be butt-free by 2023 in Australia. And you're right, it is quite a challenging pollutant. And I'm not sure that um, most people are aware at just how damaging um, they are as a piece of litter. Um, we're quite aware of like plastic being quite a problem. So the cigarette butts do have a plastic component to them, but unfortunately they also leach carcinogenic sort of materials uh, into water, into soil, and they affect plant life and animal life particularly in growth rates. So um, we notice a lot of sort of stunted and damaged environments where there's a lot of littered cigarette butts. So we do want to tackle that, uh, that as an issue. We've used the wonderfully adaptive digestive system of our fungi species. We gradually introduced them to the filters um, over time. So these filters are made out of the material called cellulose acetate. It's um, a sort of carbon-based material originally from plant matter, but it's been plasticized. So that's why they operate like a microplastic. Um, and that's sort of part of the reason why we are able to cultivate our fungi on them. There's a bit of nutrition in there that they can use. And then over time, we've adapted their digestive system to um, combat the um, sort of pollutants and toxins that are present in the butt left over from the cigarette. So um, our collaboration at the moment is doing a couple of things. We'd like to set up a service so that homes and venues are able to responsibly dispose of their butts. It, it'll be a system where you can sort of order a box to your door you fill it up with the butts. Um, it gets sealed in a plant-based plastic bag, so it's odorless, and then it comes to us for remediation. Beyond that, we are looking at sort of establishing more facilities because you're quite right. It is a really voluminous waste stream. There's quite a lot of cigarette butt waste um, in Australia and around the world. So we're sort of scaling up a bit to tackle that problem. Um, we're still in early stages with our research for this program. So we're still doing a lot of lab testing and um, seeing if we can develop a material byproduct safely um, from the result of this material. So we are looking at making it a fully circular process. We've just got a bit to go um, to get it refined and ready. True mycopreneurs bootstrapping, solving problems at scale in the most immediately effective capacity imaginable. That's something that I admire is like you have patented or have a patent, you have patented technology and now you're employing it to solve real problems. And I think what's awesome about this space is that so many people solve one problem and then there's gonna be all kinds of other people who are saying, wow, we can do that. Um, and I see that all the time in this space, talking to people is someone comes through with this proprietary technology and they say, yeah, we've learned how to solve this problem. And then it's just a question of getting more people 
in, in the ring and more people scaling these solutions up. And it's tremendously inspiring to see this untapped potential of mycelium technology and to start, um, we're off to the races at this point. We have no idea what the limits are and that's very exciting to me. So um, I'm curious to talk a bit about patenting intellectual property. I know there's passionate arguments on all sides of this and it's a very nuanced discussion. So I would like to hear maybe if you could shed some insight into what would you say is the social benefit of patenting mycelium related technology and intellectual property? Um, I think like anything else, it's a tool can be used for good effects or not. Um, so in our case, we like to see mycelium technology in, as, in the hands of as many people as possible, because we feel like that's the way that we're going to tackle the really large challenges of massive amounts of waste, lack of sustainable materials, and a lot of damaged environments. So we're big on uh, encouraging cultivation, sharing, and being quite open um, with what we do. And we like to see that go out into the community and be implemented is generally where we sit. Um, I think, you know, patents can be really wonderful things. Um, they can be used to make sure a product's well-developed before it's released or, um, you know, they can aid in how and where that information is disseminated. I think in Australia in particular, we have a really um, open source mycology community here. And that's super exciting too, in the sense that there's so much transparency on your website. And one thing in particular that I really like and that I hope to see more companies doing is to have this financial transparency and breakdown because I think that's where a lot of people's hangups are is where they have these assumptions about where the money goes and how much who's making and what what is the end goal of this? Is your end goal with the patent just to capture market share and to be this big dog in the competition? I think that's a very naive way of looking at it, but certainly there are people who are doing massive patent grabs and you know doing these multi-billion dollar IPOs and whatnot. And it, um, people are inherently suspicious of that, I think. So talking about the financial transparency on the Fungi Solutions page, uh, I saw the breakdown and I'll, I'll uh, link to that because I think it's so cool. But in particular, what I liked, it looks like it says 40% for running the facility, 27% supporting our team, 20% to research and development, and 13% to education and community programs. I'd love to know, you talked about outreach in the community and being open source, which I fully support. Um, what does that 13% look like? What are, what are some of the education and community programs you're involved with? Sure. Um, so at the base level, we really um, like run a lot of classes, talks, workshops on um, reusing resources that are found in the home and cultivation that is very accessible and beginner friendly. Um, I spend a lot of my time in classrooms um, and different workshops and events sort of talking about how these resources rather than being viewed as waste, we should look at them as like really valuable things that we can use to, you know, grow food and produce materials and clean our spaces with. To start with, a lot of our community outreach is around making mycology more accessible and making it a lot of fun for people to do um, and getting them really excited about looking around their home and seeing what they have available to cultivate with. 
going forward, I think we're going to be planning some more structured programs as well. I see there's a bit of potential here where we have a lot of mushroom crop being grown, like the, the fruits rather than the mycelium as a byproduct of our production. Um, a significant portion of that goes into our paper making, but I think there's some options there for donating to community pantries and really having that high level of social engagement. We really want to look around and seeing, see where there's gaps in education and support in our communities and seeing if there is any scope for mushrooms to be able to tackle some of those problems as well. And I want to see more of that. I want to extrapolate that out. I used to be a high school teacher and I saw so much potential for if we could have done more mycology in the classroom. But of course, that's still kind of like a new science, right? It's this mega science that's been neglected for years and all of a sudden people are waking up to it. And I, I say it's really sort of humanity's birthright. It's this amazing ally and technology that we have in fungi. And now part of the goal of this podcast is just to get more people asking questions about it. It's not necessarily to answer a lot of questions, it's to get people thinking about what resources do I have available? What role can fungi play in my life? Or can I do to kind of move the needle forward? Because I really believe this element of citizen science and micropreneurs is what's gonna drive a lot of this change and a lot of this environmental remediation and circular economies and et cetera, et cetera. So an integral part of the Fungi Solutions business model is working towards the creation of circular waste management processes where the byproducts of businesses and landfills are viewed as assets rather than liabilities, which I love. Can you describe the Fungi Solutions product supply chain in the context of circular economy and circular waste management? Certainly. Um, so a lot of our business partners have offcuts and excesses that would normally be somewhat of a hassle for them to dispose of, but they're really great materials for us to cultivate our mushrooms on. Um, so we all establish partnerships with them where we can take, take their waste product. So for example, we collaborate closely with Tamale Studios um, and Nice Film Co. They're a sustainable film production company and they have the backdrops that they need for filming. Um, once they've been used once, they're not really useful anymore to the studio. Once they get dirty, they need to be replaced. So that's a constant feed of really beautiful, high quality paper that we take into our facility. And we recycle that with our mushrooms into new forms. We think it's just really exciting to sort of provide a sort of collaborative and supportive sort of business model. Um, so, we just have a couple of partners at the moment, but we're quite ready to expand to accept more types of waste and um, more challenging waste sources as well. We're going to start collecting that and begin research and development to find out if there's a way that, you know, some of the more challenging things like plastics or rubber could also be used in addition to the agricultural offcuts and uh, recycled paper. And I'd love to see more international conglomerates or major companies sign on with organizations like Fungi Solutions. Uh, you've got your proof of concept out there in the community and you're, it's at scale right now where it's being done, the work is being done. And certainly there's other models of companies 
who are doing circular packaging and whatnot. And I, just with the boom and the amount of online shopping and parcel delivery all over the world, to me, it makes so much sense to switch to mushroom packaging. I'm, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here, but as an example, mushroom-based packaging and insulation production uses 12% of the energy required for plastic production with 90% fewer carbon emissions, which of course I pulled that directly from your website. I was first turned on to the concept of mycelium composite packaging while reading Trad Cotter's book, Organic Mushroom Farming and Mycoremediation a few years ago. Soon after, I started paying attention to what Ecovative Design is doing, and I saw that IKEA and Dell were two of their clients, which are major multi-billion dollar organizations. I would just love to see more major players throw their weight behind this. Do you suppose in the future, we're gonna to start to see more multinational companies switching to mycelium packaging? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the switch is already happening now. We're getting quite a bit of interest from larger organizations that do want to overhaul their supply chains and the materials that they're using, which we fully support. We think that that will go a long way, particularly when you're looking at larger um, organizations. The volume of materials that they use um, is quite significant. So simply switching to a, a cleaner version could have like quite significant run-on effects. Um, so we're quite keen to see that shift coming through now. Um, and we're seeing a lot of small to medium businesses um, really investing in that shift as well. Fantastic. Well, I told you that there's one product in particular that you offer that I'm very excited about. Let's talk about the Bass trap towers, the acoustic insulation. I am a musician. I spend a lot of time in recording studios. And even yesterday, I was in a studio and told my friend, the engineer, about bass trap towers and about uh, mycelium paneling and acoustic paneling because his foam is about 10 years old now and it's falling apart. And I'm like, I don't know if people are ready at scale, if you can order this thing right now, but. I totally foresee a future with a lot of the overlap with the musicians who are interested in sustainable materials and regenerative materials. Let's just talk a little bit about the base trap towers. What are some of the advantages to using your mycelium based paneling and acoustic paneling over more traditional sound insulating materials like foam? Sure. Mycelium has a couple of qualities that make it excellent for acoustic treatment. Um, the first sort of one of those is that it is excellent at controlling low frequency vibrations. So if you're in a recording studio, you really wanna be you know, treating that excess sound so you get a nice clean recording and mycelium is excellent at providing that. So it's extremely lightweight. Um, one of the qualities that I particularly like in the context of recording spaces is it is exceptionally fire retardant, um, mycelium, does not spread flame very easily. It's got quite good dampening qualities. Uh, it produces char, which stops um, any ignition from actually spreading through the space. And it doesn't produce a lot of smoke. So compared to your synthetic foams, if they catch on fire, they go up quite easily. They produce a toxic smoke. They off gas VOCs while they're installed and they don't have a very long lifespan, usually about seven years, um, and your foam treatment is going to start degrading. So my, mycelium, if it's kept in good conditions, nice and dry, 
last much longer than that. We're thinking decades is probably where it's looking um, to be viable for. Um, so our base traps, rather than having a lot of uh, material components like you might find in traditional base traps, which might be an MDF base with like a, a foam insert and then a fabric cover and then potentially glues or screws or anything like that. Um, our base traps are just grown in one block and then they're mounted onto a bracket. So there's no additional sort of material treatment needed. We can also um, adjust the cultivation, um, the, the cultivation conditions to sort of adapt the material outcomes. So you can almost tweak your mycelium for certain spaces. You can get softer sort of mycelium or you can get almost like a lacquered surface um, by producing aerial mycelium that's then dried. Um, and this provides different tones for uh, your acoustic spaces. And then on top of that, we've recently invested in a 3D printer. So we'd be looking at things like diffuser products and some more complex um, acoustic panels as well. And some of what you're describing here, I think, extends to the vision that Fungi Solutions has to create clean social spaces. And I know that you want to create these beautiful and clean social spaces. And I think the acoustic paneling can extend to that and also a few of the other products that you offer. But I was hoping we could talk a little bit about that because especially in this era of isolation and people who have you know, spent the last year and a half largely apart from each other, what does that vision look like in practice for Fungi Solutions to design these clean social spaces of the future using mycelium technology? Mm. Um, it, it's definitely material based in one sense that you want really nice clean materials that are going to be safe, um, they're going to last a really long time and they're going to be beautiful in the spaces um, that you're using them in. But I think there's also a component of social design where any spaces that we're working in, we really want to foster these collaborative relationships um, and co-working um, sort of approaches. So we definitely have that in mind when we're uh, working for any spaces, um, just to have an inclusive and holistic design, I guess. Um, and of course, make sure that all the materials going into it are, you know, of a really high quality and bring a, a beautiful, clean aesthetic to the spaces. Yeah, I, I just think it's all the elements of good design that come together um, to, to do something like that. I couldn't agree more. And I think about the recording studio I was in yesterday as sort of a clean social space or what could potentially be a cleaner social space. And I really hope that we can get our hands on some of the base trap towers in the near future. Uh, I don't know what, what stage of production that's at. Are you actively providing and outfitting spaces with this paneling? And what does that look like? Is it not just recording studios? I'm sure the sound insulation properties extend to meeting uh, offices and, and business environments and things like that. Can you give us a snapshot of what maybe one of your clients, their, their acoustic paneling that you're producing looks like in practice? Sure. Um, we are in the process of expanding our acoustic materials range. So at the moment, we've got the hexagonal panels that you can sort of use either in, as you say, a recording space, a 
office or if you've recently started working from home and you need to treat the acoustics of your home space um, as well, this is a really good option because they're quite simple to install. They're super lightweight. Um, so you can sort of install them using, we call them 3M hooks in Australia. They're just adhesive that won't damage your walls. So it's like rent approved. You can totally apply that to the back of one of the panels. And because they're modular, you can design it in a way that works for your space and you can have a bit of creativity with that. We're sort of looking at some textured panels as well um, to include in there to add a bit of uh, visual interest or um, bounce sound a little differently. So we're expanding that range. The corner base traps are in development. They should be commercially available quite soon. So when we do have some, I will be sure to let you know um, that they're ready. <laughs> Perfect. I'm serious about that. I will absolutely play the trumpet to the masses. I will absolutely shout from the rooftops. I think that that's such a cool and important technology and I'd love to see it in more recording spaces and all kinds of spaces. Um, let's dive in, do a deep dive into mycocycling. I think that's sort of your wheelhouse and we've discussed it a little bit, but you know, there's all these different prefixes, mycopreneur and mycoremediation and mycofiltration, mycopapers, mycomaterials, and mycocycling is super exciting for a number of reasons. Um, I really want to hear a little bit about the challenges that mycocycling as an industry faces at scale, because right, many of the problems that we're facing environmentally, they're of an almost unimaginable scale. So it's going to take not just a few pockets of people who have figured out how to do this, but uh, a coordinated effort of people who understand this technology and how to employ it at scale. What are some of the challenges you envision to scaling mycocycling to tackle this urgent need for climate action? Sure. Uh, one thing that we think is a really good way to go is not to have waste shipped around the country. We'd like to see microcycling facilities go to where the waste is. We think there's, um, you know, uh, some good options for like quite small but robust setups, quite basic lab setups um, that can be established where the primary producers are producing a lot of offcuts. So we're envisioning if that you are, for example, a wheat farmer, you definitely have offcuts. Um, you also generally have a down season where you're potentially not bringing in as much income as you would be in your high yield growing season. We see mushroom cultivation as potentially being a really good supplement for these sorts of producers. Um, we'd be looking at sort of licensing our sort of facility setup and our processes out so that it could be expanded sort of across Australia. And we see that, um, you know, uh, it, it can be, I guess, um, we're trying to simplify the cultivation process. So make it as easy and accessible as possible. Um, and we'd sort of be providing cultivation support from our headquarters in Melbourne and encouraging um, primary producers to adopt microcycling facilities. 
Sure. And I saw that you have quite a number of outreach programs where you're, you're leading these workshops at your facilities already and people are coming and they're learning what microcycling is. And I think that's so important as this element of symbiosis of, yes, we exist and we have our company charter and our vision and our mission statement, but also this is an opportunity to connect all of these different stakeholders and to sort of empower people into being able to do it themselves so that the solutions are being scaled because there's this sort of peer-to-peer -peer element of it, of uh, open source education, as you stated earlier, which I'm such a big fan of and what I think it's gonna take to tackle a lot of these problems is that sense of coordination and cooperation above and beyond competition. And I also wanted to ask you about these targeted mycelium strains that you've developed, because I noticed on your bio on the Fungi Solutions website, which I'll link, I believe it's www.fungisolutions.com.au, don't forget the AU. On your bio, you have developed. It says you've developed a few targeted strains of mycelium. What are the strains that you're using? Unless it's uh, hush hush. No, not at all. Um, so we use quite a lot of the oyster mushroom species because they are highly adaptive growers. They're quite easy to cultivate, um, and they can sort of be cultivated across a quite a broad range of substrate sources they're they're not a very picky mushroom so that's a really good one to start with if people are sort of curious about cultivation um, oyster mushrooms are great so we use some of those we've also got um, a couple of specifically Australian species that we work with so we've got a Australian version of the reishi mushroom um, that we quite like it's um, has quite a robust uh, digestive system so it seems to be working really well with some of the more challenging uh, sort of like gluten sources. Um, and then we've got a couple of others that we're testing, but we're not quite sure how, how well they're going to take to different things yet. Um, and the targeting process is just a, uh, a method of adapting their digestive systems for a particular pollutant over time. So you have multi-generational genetics coming into play and they get more, more able to handle and digest some of those challenging pollutants over time if you can like take care of them and work with them a little bit. Well, I think our fungi friends are in good hands with you all. It seems that your mission and your vision and whatnot are, are firing on all cylinders right now. And it's super exciting that you're launching and being public facing now. I'm sure you, this has been in the works for quite a while, but I'd encourage anyone listening at this point to check out the Vimeo that they have, which we'll link to the episode. And it, it'll give you a nice introduction to both Amanda and Camden and the facility and the team and some of the products that Fungi Solutions is currently busy at work developing and scaling. And I just wanna reiterate how much I, I am a fan of what you're doing and that companies like you exist and are continuing to remediate the environment and to make impactful solutions using our mycelium friends. So thank you for the great work you're doing, Amanda. And uh, is there anything else that you're involved in currently at Fungi Solutions that you'd like to promote while you're on the podcast? Um. Yeah, we, we've just been accepted as a nominee for the Circle Awards at the moment. So there is a People's Choice section that we're up for. So if people would like to vote for us and our, our mission to uh, rescue resources from landfill, that would be amazing. Um, I can send you the link to that, no problem. 
Um, and the other thing I would just encourage everyone is to collaborate with the mushrooms. They're really great partners. Um, when, when they're looked after, they're fantastic, uh, I guess, collaborators and they can do many great things, uh, but they're a living organism and they need to be respected and cared for. Beautiful. And this podcast exists to support companies like yours and people like you. So thank you so much for taking the time to connect with us and to join us on Micopreneur podcast today. Well, I'll absolutely be broadcasting that link and everybody listening, go vote. Let's do it. You got at least two more votes right here for sure. And I'll be keenly and diligently following what you all are up to out there in Australia. And I'd love to come see it in person eventually. That'd be great. Uh, thank you so much for having me on, Dennis. Uh, I really love your podcast and all the work you do here. I very much appreciate that, Amanda. Well, give everyone my best and uh, we'll be following from afar over here and, and rooting for you all the way from here in California. Thank you so much. Okay, have a great day. Bye-bye. There's so much to cover in the mushroom universe and so many mycopreneurs leveraging the infinite potential of fungi to create a more ecologically balanced, inclusive and equitable world for all of us mischievous little monkeys. I am completely stoked that you've chosen to spend some of your hard-earned time in our little corner of the Mycoverse. Hop on the gram, say what's up, at Mycopreneur Podcast, that's the handle, don't get it twisted. We've got the full suite of social media up and running, Twitter, Mycopreneur, got the YouTubes dialed in, Mycopreneur. Drop us a line, tell your grandma and your kooky uncle, tell your wife and your kids, if you're a micropreneur yourself, you want to hop on the pod, by all means, willkommen, bienvenidos, welcome. Don't be a stranger. Let us know your thoughts on this episode, and also let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. This is a team effort. Thanks for stopping by the Micropreneur Podcast. Have a lovely day. We'll see you back here next week.